I think he's going to call his dad. <laughs> we know you're Zach. You're too predictable. Shh. <laughs> <laughs> Dang, what if he doesn't answer? That's going to be sad. Cut this out of here. <laughs> lore podcast where my friends and I talk all about Tolkien's works. My name is Zach Norman. I'm the resident Tolkien idiot of the podcast. I'm a huge fan of Lord of the Rings, but uh, and I've seen all the movies tons of times, but when it comes to the books, I've read about a book and a half of it all. Uh, my name is Grant, and I, I guess I'm the uh, Tolkien expert here, uh, as far as everyone's concerned, and uh, I've read all the books. I'm, uh, I've just read The Nature of Middle-Earth, which just came out, so I am extremely up to date <laughs> and uh watched all the movies know a lot of trivia and lore and uh that's yeah that's me in a nutshell <laughs> yeah yeah i'm jay i've read pretty much all the books not or i've read all lord of the rings and hobbit and silmarillion but not all of the extended lore stuff um i did watch all the movies but i slept through most of them because we did a 24-hour marathon so i'm like a mix between grant and zach yeah. i know a good amount but i don't know it all but I do have some a fun fact. I uh, thought about watching Lord of the Rings this week like four times, but I never actually did. <laughs> <laughs> Each night I was like, you know what? I'm gonna watch it, and then I'm like, oh, it's too late. It's like three hours long. And I don't want to stay up this late. So then I think you're allergic. Yeah, I didn't watch it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Maybe one day. Yeah. One day. One day you'll yep. see them all. But Jay and Grant have been dragging me along on a quest to discover more of J.R.R. Tolkien's vast legendarium as we explore Middle-earth piece by piece. Today's topic is the story of Baron and Luthien. Yeah, so uh, I'll kick it off. Uh, Baron and Luthien, uh, this story takes place in the, the first age of Middle-earth, or um, as the world is called actually, is Arda. Um, and just kind of a brief breakdown on the ages, because I've We've all talked about like first age, third age, uh, second, second age, age yeah. <laughs> the one in between, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then we've the, talked the about fabled like, and rarely mentioned yeah. fourth age. Uh, there is a fourth age, yeah. Um, but uh, there's the years of trees and all that sort of stuff. And so, um, basically, what that is is what defines an age. There's not really a defining like there's not like a set amount of years within an age. It's not like an eon where it's like a certain amount of years or a millennium where it's a thousand years, you know, or a century or a century, <laughs> which is a hundred years or a decade, which is yeah. 10 or, or, uh, a year, or a year, which is one year, which is one. Uh, or, Oh shoot. I just hit the mic. I felt that. Um, so uh, the first age is only, I don't, I don't have it written down anywhere, but the first age is only like, it's just over 500 years. And then the second age is over 3,300 years, and the third age is 3,021 years. So it doesn't really have a set amount. It basically, an age starts after a major event, and then an age ends when pretty much most of the peoples agree that a certain major like life-changing event happens, like the downfall of Sauron at the end of the third age, and then uh, Elrond leaving 
signal signals the start of the fourth age and the end of the third age that sort of thing um and then like or like the ending of the first age was the fall of the first dark lord morgoth and then that started the the second age so that's just kind of like a little breakdown in the ages so this takes place like probably roughly six thousand well probably about six thousand five hundred years before lord of the rings takes place so it's a long time ago this is early history ancient days of middle earth so this takes place in a land called Beleriand, which is to the west of middle earth as we know it and that land is all under the water now uh due to certain events that have happened so baron and luthien i'll kind of go over their um the early life of each of the characters uh luthien uh she is an elf she's an elf maiden she's an elf princess um, she is of Sindar descent, so Sindar are the um, Grey Elves, or the Elves of Twilight, the Elves who never uh, went over the sea to the Undying Lands, um, where the two trees were. And so uh, she was the daughter of King Elwe Singolo, which meant King Grey Mantle. And in his language, Sindarin, it uh, kind of evolved into Eluthingol. So he's mentioned more as King Thingol than King Singolo, so that's what you'll see it as in all the books. So she's the daughter of King Thingol of Doriath, that's his land, and the Maiar, which we've talked about Maiar before, they're kind of angelic beings, um, and the Maiar Melian, and she is kind of like a, I guess like a spirit of like songbirds and like specifically nightingales, and uh, so um, Thingol and Melian had the daughter Luthien, and she was born in the Years of the Trees 1200. So this is before the first age, the Years of the Trees um, was, I don't know exactly how long that one was. That's kind of always, it always differs from based on uh, like what book you read, I guess. It always kind of changes up. But, um, so she was born uh, quite, I think she was probably about 3,000 years old by the time she and Baron met or no more than that <laughs> I don't oh, know wow. does that make her a cougar <laughs> yeah it pretty much does <laughs> uh, <laughs> so she was pretty old by the time she and Baron met but to elves 3,000 years is really it's like nothing she still looks really young um, so she uh, she was very beautiful she was considered the most you know like uh, beautiful of all the elves uh, not just the gray elves, but the, the you know the sea elves, the Teleri, or the the Noldor, or even the high elves. She was considered the most beautiful of all of them. And uh, when she was born, the white flower Nifredil was uh, actually bloomed all around her, uh, even though it was like midnight, like when all the stars were out. So I, I thought that was kind of cool. A lot of flowers around her. That is. Cool. It kind of reminded me too of um, uh, in. Like the Lord of the Rings, you'll see like the mounds, like uh, the graves of the kings of Rohan before Edoras, and they all have the white flowers on them. Kind of reminded me of that a little bit, how they all bloomed over there. Mm -hmm. um, but she would, uh, Luthien would dance um, in the woods. She'd just do a little dance. She'd break it down. It was kind of like step up, basically. Oh, really? yeah. So like break dancing. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of cool. Yeah, it was pretty cool. <laughs> so she would dance in the woods, and she had a, uh, a long longtime friend named Dairon and he was a minstrel and um, he was one of the, actually the most famed um, minstrels in all of the land of Valerian 
and uh, he actually loved her, and she did not return the feeling. <laughs> oh no! He was friend zoned pretty much. Oh wow! It's like yeah, the DJ and a dancer. And yeah. the dancer friend zoned the DJ. <laughs> yeah. The DJ falls in love with yeah. her as he's playing a set to the crowd. Yeah. And he time slows as he looks at her, but she just keeps dancing. Yeah. <laughs> but Dang. so that's that's kind of her thing. She just kind of dances. Uh, you know, under the stars in the forest to the music of her friend, Dairon. Friend. Yeah, friend. She makes that <laughs> yeah. known. <laughs> yeah. So her, now... Her buddy, Dairon. Her buddy. Yeah, her good her good friend. Her yeah. good pal. Yeah, every time yeah. she sees him, she's just like, hey, bro, what's up, guy? <laughs> hey, dude. <laughs> um, so now we'll switch over to Baron. Now, Baron is a man, uh, just... You know, 100% man. He doesn't a have... A man's man. Yeah, he's a man's man. He's not like half elf or half <laughs> Maiar or anything like that. He's just 100% man. Um, and he is the son of Barahir. And Barahir is the lord of the house of Beor. And they're the first house of men to uh, cross over into Beleriand. And actually the first house of men that the elves ever meet. So he's a descendant of those people. Um, and he was born in the first age, 432, in the land of Dorthonian, which is a very mountainous, um, hilly land with a lot of uh, tarns, which are mountain lakes and uh, pine forests. And um, so a little bit about his father first. Uh, Barahir was famous for saving the elven king uh, Finrod Felagund uh, in a battle. And uh, Finrod... Um, gave him his ring as a token of friendship so that wherever he was, if he found any of the house of Finrod, he could show him this ring and they would offer assistance and they could, you know, create alliances like that. Um, and so it was later actually called the Ring of Barahir. And the Ring of Barahir, um, fun fact, you can see it on Aragorn's finger in the Lord of the Rings movies. He's actually wearing the Ring of Barahir. Oh, wow. Thousands and thousands of years after this happens. So it's pretty cool. It's been It's been passed down in their house you know, uh, son, father to son. So, so he's, is he a descendant of Barahir? Yeah. I'll, I'll get into that a little bit no, at the sorry, end. Sorry. Hey, hey, no, it's okay. No, I got a, I got a whole thing at the end about that. But, um, Just so after, uh, after, <laughs> oh no. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, during this whole time that Baron and Luthien, um, their, their whole story happens, there are battles going on uh, between the elves and men and uh, the Dark Lord Morgoth and his orcs and all that stuff. And so there's one battle, Dagor Bragalak, which is the Battle of Sudden Flame. We've talked about that in past uh, podcast episodes, uh, yeah. specifically, I think, the one about dragons. Yeah, and Morgoth. We and Morgoth, Morgoth, yeah. Um, and this one. And this one, So, but not a lot. So yeah. Bar here, um, his son Baron and ten loyal followers survived the battle, and they fled into the highlands of Dorthonian, where they, you know, where they lived. And uh, after the battle, they were uh, they committed acts of sabotage against Morgoth's bands of orcs, and they were just kind of like they took to um, like creeping around their camps at night and uh, killing all of them. And uh, so Morgoth actually grew very frust frustrated with them that only like such a small band could cause so much destruction against his forces. And so he sent Sauron and uh, some, you know, orcs and all that sort of stuff to go and find them. And eventually Sauron found Gorlim the Unhappy. Jay talked about uh, this little bit of the story. I think that was 
the one about Sauron, the yeah. last episode. So mm-hmm. episode six, um, it's all in there. Uh, so he finds Gorlim, which is one of the followers of Barahir, and he bribes him with the promise of rejoining his thought-to-be dead wife. Um, so Gorlim thought his wife was dead, and he heard her calling one night, but it was actually just kind of like a, a phantom voice uh, created by Sauron to kind of lure Gorlim into his trap. So Sauron captures him, and he bribes him with, you know, you get to be with your wife if you tell me where Barahir's camp is. And so Gorlim gives it up, and uh, spoiler alert, Gorlim dies, mm. which, I mean, Ugh. he betrayed Barahir, so it doesn't really matter. Still sad, though. He thought he was going to see his wife. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. But, um... Yeah, what are you going to do? Um, yeah, so gonna... all of Barahir's camp was killed, including Barahir himself, but Baron was actually gone. He was um, out scouting for uh, orcs, and he was also hunting, because they had to survive somehow, you know? So he was, luckily he was out and about, <laughs> but, uh, but he had a dream of Gorlim, uh, like coming to him in his dream and warning him that uh, their camp was about to be attacked and that he made a mistake and giving it up and all that sort of stuff. But he was too late. He came back, Baron came back and everyone was killed and he, uh, he made a, a little cairn or a, a mound for his father. Uh, but he also noticed that his father's ring was missing the the finger was cut off and the ring of barahir was missing so he uh he uh he wanted he wanted revenge yeah i mean who wouldn't yeah no who wouldn't yeah he wanted that ring back yeah um i mean that's what the whole lord of the rings is about yeah can't blame him it started with this ring yeah (laughs) yeah this ring yeah so um (laughs) so baron tracked down the orcs and eventually he caught up to them and as he caught up to them, I think it was night and all the orcs were around this big fire and this orc captain actually held up the finger of Barahir that had the ring on it and he boasted of how he killed Barahir. Wait, so they took the finger, they didn't take the ring off, they just took the whole finger? They, yeah, I don't know why they didn't do that. They just took the finger off. They never know. They never thought to just pull the ring off the finger? Yeah, I don't know. They're like, it's kind of stuck. Yeah. I, yeah just, I just wouldn't budge. Yeah. But, uh, so... Uh, Baron uh, killed the captain like he just walked right into the like the fire or not in the fire <laughs> he walked into he the walked, fire he walked into the the ring around the fire and then uh, <laughs> and he killed the captain took the ring and then escaped before any orcs realized what happened um, and he continued to live as an outlaw in the land of Dorthonian uh, in the land of his birth but eventually he had to leave because uh, he was just one person and there were many orcs that were out looking for him um so eventually he uh he traveled south uh i don't know i can't remember why exactly he went south uh, i think it was just because he was searching for elves maybe or some or, sort of help or but, fate it's probably or fate. it was just fate i yeah. don't know uh destiny she is the video a game? yeah <laughs> he wanted the video game he's yeah. going to the new <laughs> to get destiny not destiny too just oh. destiny yeah uh, so he went southwards across the mountainous land of Dorthonian, and he ended up in the horror-filled valleys of Nandangortheb, oh, which wow. is actually um, uh, the reason why it was so like evil uh, was because Ungolian's brood lived there, so all those giant spiders lived there in the valley. And it was actually thought that uh, Shelob, who we see in the Two Towers, um, she actually lived there at the time in the first age so oh, wow. so it was possible that baron had to fight off shelob at one point 
thousands of years before Sam and Frodo did. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Whoa. So uh, it was said of uh, Baron Baron's travels through that land, uh, the Spider Land, basically. He um, that was he never spoke of it because it was just so like such an evil memory that he just never wanted to talk about it and it was said that it was one of his most heroic and brave deeds was passing through that land so uh what if there Tolkien was like just... nothing there and he was just like oh it was so <laughs> horrible i made it through barely and everyone's like wow great work but it was just like he walked it's for just like a few cobwebs a <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's just like it's just like a canyon with a few cobwebs in it yeah he's he like tripped over a root and that was yeah. it it's like oh my gosh one tried to I trip back me wounded <laughs> just a bruise yeah (laughs) uh so after he went through that land he uh made his way to doriath and uh who lives in doriath uh luthien luthien and thingle and king thingle and melian and dairon and uh cyros and uh beleg strongbow and mablon so there's actually a lot of people that live there (laughs) but um we're just focused on luthien right now uh so baron actually he goes into this this woodland in Doriath and uh um it was actually in Doriath so Melian the queen she has this it's called the girdle of Melian that it's kind of like surrounds the land of Doriath and that's why it's called Doriath Doriath means the like the guarded land and it allows no evil thing to enter or it doesn't allow anyone who doesn't have permission from the king to enter into the kingdom so even though Baron had never been there it was actually because First of all, his father was friends with Finrod, who was, uh, uh, I guess, kin with uh, King Thingol, mm-hmm. and because fate did bring him into Doriath, and so and destiny, and he destiny, had the video game with <laughs> yeah, he had the video game with him, <laughs> and uh, so fate allowed him to enter, even though technically he wasn't allowed to. So I, I thought that was kind of cool. Um, you know, the stars align. Yeah, the <laughs> oh. ones that Lucian dances under, she dances under the stars. Oh yeah, they yeah. Aligned. Um, wow. And so, actually, Baron saw Luthien dancing. That was the first thing he saw when he went into the the forest. Was she crumping? <laughs> <laughs> she was crip walking. <laughs> she was crip walking. <laughs> uh, she was doing the two step. Yeah. Uh, so uh, he fell in love with her, and um, Dairon was actually there because he was playing music, right? Mm-hmm. And so Dairon saw what was happening. He saw this man that was just. I guess it seemed pretty creepy, you know, this mm-hmm. man just walks up and just stares at this girl dancing. Yeah. So he goes and pretty much tattles on Baron and Luthien because they spend a lot of time together. And then uh, Thingol learns about it, and Luthien actually ends up bringing um, Baron to uh, Menegroth, which is uh, King Thingol's uh, halls, his palace. And um, uh, uh, Thingol finds out that Baron and Luthien actually do love each other and they want to marry each other. But Baron is a man mm. and Luthien is an elf and that is not allowed. That is a big no-no. Yeah. At least because oh, they're immortal. That would be disgusting. And, and men are mortal, so it just wouldn't make any sense. But they were that devoted to each other that Baron said he would do anything. Just He just asked King Thingle to name his price. And then... Well, um, no, well, you say what you want to well, say. Well, in the... Uh, uh, what you just said that Baron said he would do anything. I think Luthien's the one getting the short end of the straw because Baron's gonna die, and then she's just gonna have to live the rest of her life as an elf. Yeah, and living like marrying and he just your gets dog. To... Wait, what? Exactly? 
No, I'm just I'm just saying that. Tell like, me I'm wrong. Sounds it's like marrying your dog. <laughs> yeah, but like it just it just sounds weird. I, was, I yeah, just I meant know. like when they first were like, oh, we should get married. Lucian's gonna like have to live, because uh, she's gonna or like in the situation as an elf, she's gonna live and he's gonna die, and he's just gonna be like, okay, I'm out of here. And she's just gonna, <laughs> you know. Have to keep li- keep on living. Okay, we'll that talk about we, that, that later. That we think, though. That we think. We don't know what happens. We haven't told you the rest of the story. Okay, Jay, we'll talk about that later. Thank you. But that we... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, King Fingal, he does name his price so that Baron can marry his daughter. And it is an impossible price. He names one Silmaril, which are the famed and legendary jewels of Feanor. Yeah. Uh, not his family jewels, but just jewels that he made. Uh, <laughs> not his balls. <laughs> Grab one of my Get balls. my balls. Just one of them, and my daughter is yours. <laughs> I don't know about that. Uh, no, no. <laughs> uh, but, um, so he has to go and retrieve one from the crown of Morgoth, and so... I mean, that seems pretty impossible. How are you just going to barge into the Dark Lord's fortress and take a Silmaril, you know? Yeah, I'll tell you how. I'm just kidding. No, I'm, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Not right now. That's for later. Okay, thank you. <laughs> so, um, uh, Baron, actually, I don't know the exact words. I mean, I could probably look it up right now, but I just want to keep talking. So, you do? do you want me to look it up when no. you talk? No, thank okay. you. Okay. Uh, but he says something along the lines of, uh, like, for such a small price do the kings of elves uh name their daughters or something like that yeah so basically he's saying to the king like that's a small price you know so that i can marry your daughter Mm -hmm. so he's basically saying yeah i can get that for you Mm -hmm. um (laughs) it's like forget about it (laughs) yeah i'll get that for you man (laughs) so uh um baron accepted this quest and uh he said he said i'll i'll be gone and luthien lay in waiting yeah, or sat. We don't know. Or she sat. Mm-hmm. Or she stood. Or she, she kept paced. dancing. She paced and waiting. <laughs> she danced in place. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Baron went off. So this go off, Baron. <laughs> yeah. So now we come to the quest for the Silmaril. This is a pretty big part of their story. Uh, actually, this is this is the part. Of this it. is the this story, is pretty much. The yeah. the first part I was just talking about was most of their early life and when they mm-hmm. first met. So. This is to the nitty down to the nitty gritty. Nitty gritty. Yeah. That's from uh. Never mind. Oh, I was gonna say there's a line from Nacho Libre. Oh. Where he says something <laughs> about the, the nitty gritty. I don't know. I've only seen that once. I don't okay. remember. Okay. That's, that's a funny movie, dude. Yeah. That's the problem with movies is I don't really remember them. Yeah. Like Lord of the Rings. Like yeah. Well, because I slept, slept through that. Those, so. I did watch uh, uh, Nacho Libre in the same room I watched Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Oh, but I did leave halfway through. That's why I don't remember oh it. So I left halfway through. Oh my god. Listen, tune in next episode. We'll be talking about Nacho Libre in great depth. <laughs> and how it connects with uh Lord of the Rings. Yeah. How Tolkien was inspired by Nacho Libre. <laughs> by Nacho Libre. <laughs> Dang. I can't wait to hear that one. Yeah. Uh, it's gonna be a good one. So 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 we pick up where we left off, okay? Right? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Baron leaves to go on this quest to retrieve a Silmaril from the crown of Morgoth. And he doesn't really know where to start. Like, you know, he doesn't really have any, like, help or he doesn't have any, like, I don't know. He just doesn't have much to go off of. So he goes first to the kingdom of Nargothrond, which is a little to the southwest of, uh, of Doriath. 
And he goes to Nargothrond because that's where Finrod Felagund is king. And, of course, he has the Ring of Bar here, so that will allow him, you know, assistance and friendship with King Finrod and his mm-hmm. elves. So he goes there, he asks for assistance, and Finrod, seeing how desperate he is and how hopeless the mission is and how it's pretty much a suicide mission, he decides to help him himself, and he brings along a few loyal followers as well. And he gives his king his kingdom to his younger brother Oradreth and uh, so Finrod leaves and he Baron and Finrod and the other elves they travel north to there's this gap between these big mountains if you have a map of if you can pull up a map of Beleriand it can you can find it in like the Silmarillion the book and or you can just search it up online yeah we'll wait uh, we'll wait for you guys okay I'll give you 10 seconds I'm not gonna count out loud I'm just giving you 10 seconds I lost track of time, but I'm just going to... There, that's 10 seconds. Okay. That was way less. <laughs> okay. No, Anyways, podcast, podcast, podcast time is a di- in a different <laughs> time like, line than... Oh, time. yeah, you're totally right. I forgot that. <laughs> <laughs> so, in Beleriand, in the north, there are two big mountain ranges. Uh, one of them uh, goes from the sea all the way to kind of like the middle of Beleriand, and it, go- it runs east-west, and that one is like it's called like the arid wethrin and those are the mountains of shadow and then the ones to the east of that are the um i can't remember what they're called exactly but that is those are the mountains of the highlands of dorthonian so between those two mountain ranges there's a a pass where a river runs through and in the middle of that river is an isle and that isle is called Tol in Gaurhoth, which is the Isle of Werewolves. We talked about this last episode when we talked about Sauron, because Sauron was indeed the captain of that isle and that fortress, which um, uh, he made evil. It used to be an elvish fortress, but he captured it and made it evil. And uh, so they were going that way because that was pretty much the easiest pass into the lands north where Morgoth's fortress was. And they disguised themselves through Finrod's magic. They disguised themselves as orcs. Um, a little better disguised than what Frodo and Sam did in The Return of the King because they actually had magic to help them. Instead, Frodo and Sam were just two white hobbits in orc armor. Yeah. <laughs> so, and they're uh, short, too. And these are men. men yeah, are and these are short. So. men and elves, right? Yeah, yeah elves so are really tall. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, so they were actually looked like orcs. And... Uh, so they were hoping to pass by and sneak by, but Sauron caught them because part of his whole, like, being captain of that uh, isle is if you're an orc or a servant of Morgoth in any way, you have to report to him if you're going, you know, passing through there. And so they didn't report, and so he kind of catches them, and he figures out that they're not actually orcs and that they're in disguise, they're elves. And But he doesn't know any of their names. He doesn't know any of them if he did know who they were you know baron and uh finrod he would have definitely brought them to morgoth and uh tortured them or something but as it turns out he just threw them in a dungeon because they wouldn't say who they were he threw them in a dungeon and basically chained them up and one of them would get um uh killed by a werewolf uh or just a wolf i can't remember exactly what it is but uh, a wolf would come at night and kill one of them so eventually, eventually, all of the elves uh, actually died except for Finrod and Baron, and they were the last two left. 
And as a wolf came to kill Baron, uh, Finrod actually broke from his chains. So that is a definitely a feat of strength right there. <laughs> he broke from his chains, and he killed the wolf with his bare hands. But uh, he actually died in the process because there's just a lot of a lot of teeth and a lot of claws right there. Yeah, he probably wasted all his energy breaking from the chains. Probably, yeah, he was worn out. Yeah, He's and like, uh, beat. But so, <laughs> so, dang, I'm beat. I'm gonna lay down real quick. <laughs> right as he gets and out then of he dies. But uh, so Baron Baron sees oh, this. Man, I'm gonna be. I'm gonna lay down. <laughs> he just dies. <laughs> oh, that's how I want to go. <laughs> man, <Yeah>. I'm beat. <laughs> so, so uh, so Baron uh, he doesn't really do much. Like he doesn't even try and break out of his chains. He just sits there and he cries and then he falls asleep. Yes, <laughs> he's so weary. So. See, the hard, the hard part I have about this whole story is that Baron's like a hero, but he also is like a loser because he does stuff like that. <laughs> he just falls asleep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's just a loser. Yeah. Hey, we all um, get tired from time to time. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. He said, sorry. "I'm beat," but then he actually <laughs> fell asleep. Yeah. He yeah. wasn't actually beat. <laughs> no. He's like, "Oh, me too." Yeah. Oh. <laughs> then he woke up and Finrod was dead, and he's like, "Wait, wait, <laughs> wait a second." Ah. <laughs> so, uh, because. Because Baron was uh, locked in a dungeon of Sauron, Luthien could actually feel this um, in her heart. She could feel that there was some sort of darkness that covered Baron. And um, so she uh, escaped from Doriath because her father uh, hindered her following uh, Baron to help him for whatever reason. I don't know. Because uh, he didn't want, I guess he didn't want his daughter to die. That would make sense. <laughs> I wouldn't want my daughter to do that. Oh. You know, chase after boys. Yeah. Ugh. Ugh. Especially Yuck. men. Especially <laughs> men. Men. Like Ugh. an outlaw like Baron. Yeah. Ugh. Jeez. So, yeah. so she um, actually makes her way to uh, she makes her way to the Isle of uh, Werewolves where Sauron is in the pit. And along the way, she makes friends with a uh, a dog, a little doggy. A little doggy. Big doggy, yeah, actually. Big doggy. He is called the Hound of Valinor, but his name is Huan. Huan. We talked about him last. Yeah, we talked about him in the last Hua. episode. It's so basically he is a trained killer dog that yeah. is like specially trained to kill wolves. So a wolfhound, pretty much. Yeah. So uh, that's where I'll leave off. That's also a good place to put an ad. Oh, that's a good idea. Oh, man. yes. Oh, yeah, so speaking of ads, here we go. Oh. Hey guys, this is an ad, if you can believe that. Um, so if you guys like what we're doing on this show, um, I think you might like the Production Specialist Podcast. Jay, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about what they are? Uh, no. Can please? Uh, sure, I guess. Uh, the Production okay, Specialist... Please don't talk over me. The Productions, <laughs> The Production Specialist Podcast explores the professionals that are part of the film's production. Um, why don't you take a listen to their intro and hear more? Well, if you're going to have an attitude, I don't think I will. Well, you're going to hear it because I'm playing it in three, two, one. No, 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 one. no, no. In our modern day lives, we are constantly bombarded with visual and auditory stimuli. May they be ads, films, interviews, series, you name it. But have you ever wondered how projects like these are ever created or who was involved? Don't worry. 
We're here to change that. My name is Lorenzo Elin, and I'm the host of The Production Specialist, a podcast series of personal accounts from individuals and companies in emerging and frontier production industries. In each episode, we chase the hidden stories of production professionals and their experiences in the production industry. In episode one, we caught up with Connie Grayson from Legacy FX about her work with Jason Momoa from the Quicken Loan Super Bowl ad of 2020. Studio made a bunch of bald caps to put on top of his head and then the wigs on top of that and none of the bald caps fit. And he has a gigantic head. Ah, uh, whoops, uh, sorry, Jason. Or with Academy Award-winning makeup artist, Matthew Mungle and his experiences with fake blood and CSI. A blood film, <laughs> not my favorite, not my favorite at all. Or with YouTube sensation and director Joey Lover with 60 million views on his Spider-Man fan films. We, we took we took a few elements from the games, TV series and everything, just merged it into one. And then everything else was our ideas. Our goal is to explore every nook and cranny that is part of production, from cinematographers all the way to sound designers. Subscribe to the Production Specialist right here for bi-weekly episodes and soon to be weekly episodes. And if you're already subscribed, Tap the share button and share it with someone who you think would enjoy learning more about the production industry. And we're back. We're uh, back. Hey, we're back. We're back. Oh, and, welcome um, back, everybody. Hope you enjoyed ever. that ad. Yeah. Um, I'm going to pick this back up where Grant set it down, you know? Yeah. So Be careful, it's heavy. Yeah, it is heavy, but I'm going to do it. So the uh, last thing Grant talked about, uh, Juan and Luthien were on their way to save our boy, our boy, our boy Baron. <laughs> our boy. So Juan and Luthien are on their way to Tolangarahoth um, to go find Baron. And when Luthien gets there, um, she wants to, f- or she sees that Baron is in trouble. So she starts a like little song and dance routine. Um, <laughs> pretty much, she's on the bridge to the aisle. Choreographed dance. Yeah, and she starts a song and dance routine, uh, which catches the attention of Sauron. Oh, also, I want to make a note. Uh, songs and music in Middle Earth do have like magical properties, so like you can like enchant people with songs and dance and all that sort of stuff. So that's why she does that. Yeah. So yeah. you'd be super powerful if you were song and dance man. Yeah. If you were like, <laughs> let's say. Rap legend Lil Wayne. <laughs> I don't know why. I, I don't the know one person. I don't know why. Or I picked rock him. and roll Dang. king Jack Black, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So I guess I guess like musicals in Middle Earth would be crazy to attend. <laughs> Everyone's just, just falling asleep. Yeah. We just people who start like imploding and oh my gosh, dying because they say the wrong words in the songs. Well, let's get back to the story. So sorry, Jay. <laughs> sorry, yeah, no, that was my fault too. It's my fault for bringing up that she sang, but <laughs> she was singing, and uh, um, what his name Sauron is like. Hey, <laughs> I know you. What You're. His name? <laughs> That's how Sauron talks. Sorry. Um. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> Never mind. So Sauron was like, I gotta get this girl because she's. Uh, being a nuisance, and... Uh, and she's hot. Yeah, and she's hot. He's like, what a babe up there doing a song and dance routine. <laughs> so he sends some wolves out on the bridge to... Or wolves, not wolves. Wolves out on the bridge to get to get her and to... Uh, well, at this point, he doesn't know that Huan's there. 
Um, so he's just sending his regular old wolves, just like um, the not not the strongest ones. But Huan keeps killing them because Huan's, as Grant said, is a big dog. Rough. <laughs> yeah, he's he's a rough dog. <laughs> <laughs> so Huan's a big dog, and um, Sauron kept sending wolves, um, and Huan kept killing them. So he sent Draguin, the sire of the werewolves of Angband. You heard about this in. The Sauron episode where he talked about this. Um, so Draglin and Huan were fighting, and it was not going too great. But Huan eventually uh, overcame him, and uh, Draglin fled. But as he was fleeing, he was like, uh, "Hey Sauron, uh, Huan's there. That's why I'm leaving." <laughs> That's what he said. So Sauron's like, "Oh shoot, That's Huan. That makes sense." So Sauron switches into a werewolf, or transforms into a werewolf. Not switches. He's still transforms a werewolf and he goes to fight Huan and it's another tough battle you know how it goes you know and uh Huan uh or no uh Luthien uh uh does this wait never mind sorry <laughs> Luthien drew her magic veil and it uh blinded or uh blinded Sauron so Sauron's like oh dude I can't see what the heck so Huan's like I'm gonna take advantage of this moment and he goes in and takes down Sauron and Sauron is trapped in uh, Huan's um, jaws. And uh, so Sauron's like, I'll turn to a snake. And uh, that didn't work. So he's like, oh, I'll just turn back into regular old me. So he was back into his form. And he's like, I give up. You can take the aisle, I guess, or whatever, if you just let me go. So they let him go. And uh, Lucian now has control of the aisle of werewolf. Tolang, werewolves. Tolang yeah. Garahoth. Not one werewolf, but many of them. Many. Uh, well, not anymore because Sauron's gone. It's Isle of Luthien now, I guess. Um, but so she is like, I gotta find this guy. So, Baron, this guy. So she starts breaking down the walls with her magic and whatever and finally finds Baron. And, um, when she finds him, he's mortally wounded. Or not mortally wounded, he's just hurt. <laughs> he's not mortally wounded. That's no, later in the story. He, he's mortally wounded. He's wounded. He's wounded. So she's Whoa, like, spoilers. <laughs> so she's gotta she's gotta heal him. So she heals him up and he's like, Okay, I'm all good to go, babe. And because um, 'cause they're they like love each other now, so they call each other babe and baby and stuff. Oh, and like sweetie. Yeah, sweetie and honey. honey. Yeah. 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 Sugar. Sugar. Sugar mama. <laughs> so uh, so um so she healed him and they're like, We're gonna head back now, um, because this is not going well. And on their way back, they were ambushed uh by Kelagorn and Kurufin. 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 <laughs> um, and they're two elves. Um, Grant, who is their dad? Feanor. Feanor's their yeah, dad. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. See, that made it sound like I knew what I was talking about. I was quizzing you, but I didn't know. Oh. Okay. But I knew they were dad. Their dad was some, somebody. <laughs> somebody good. Yeah. Somebody famous. So they knew that uh, uh, Baron was on the look or out to get a Silmaril, and they're like, you know, "This would be a good opportunity. We're gonna take advantage of this opportunity and try to get it from him." So they fought. But Huan eventually, Huan uh, was like, I'm going to end this now. And he, he killed, or didn't kill them. He wounded them. And as they were leaving, uh, Kurufin shot an arrow at Luthien. But Baron being the guy, the good uh, dude he is, he uh, went in the way. And it uh, struck Baron right in the chest, right square in the chest. <clears throat> which is never a good place to get an arrow. No. So, uh, uh. Lucian was like, I gotta heal him again. Jeez, I just did this. So she heals him again. <laughs> He's like, She's like how many times? <laughs> yeah, jeez Louise, man. Um, so she 
heals him, and he's like, okay, I'm going to go on and do this by myself. Uh, I'm going to head back to get this somewhere by myself. Lucian, you're not coming with me. But Lucian's like, no, I don't want to do that. Um, because she wants to be with him, and also, I feel like she realizes it, but Baron doesn't realize it, that Baron can't really do anything without her. As you probably will see throughout the story, Lucian does most of the uh, grunt work, and oh, Baron yeah. is just along for the ride. But, so... Uh, Huan's like, I got an idea. Why don't we turn Baron into a werewolf and uh, Lucian into a bat and we just uh, make our way on in there. So like, great idea. We do that. And then they go do that. So then they go back to where they came from. Um, and outside of the gates, uh, they encounter the werewolf Karkachoth. Karkaroth. Karkaroth. <laughs> Sorry, I said that wrong. It's close. It's <laughs> Very close. wrong. I got the I got the Karka at the start. Yeah. Karkaroth. And he was like, you guys can't get in here, um, because he's like, I don't know who you guys are, you can't get in here. And Lucian's like, oh, I gotta do some more work. So Lucian, uh, um, she, it says, suddenly some power descends from the divine race, possesses Lucian, and casting back her remnant, she stood forth, radiant and terrible. So she's like, not a bat anymore, and she's back into herself, and she's like, <laughs> and she's just like, look at me, I'm the coolest person <laughs> ever and uh she commanded Karkaroth sorry <laughs> Karkaroth to sleep and uh, she, uh he he went to sleep she pretty much was like play dead and he played dead because he's a dog good boy good, yeah good boy but she didn't pet him because he's not really a good boy oh. but well for listening but we'll see later he's not oh, really okay. good boy so um so they go into the isle werewolves this is where uh Morgoth is, and uh, when they get in there, um, Morgoth is like, hey, um, what are you guys doing here? And Lucian starts doing her enchanted dance in song, and eventually it puts Morgoth to sleep, and this is where Baron comes in, and he tries to take, he uses his dwarven blade, and he pops the Silmaril out of the crown, but then he gets greedy, and he's like, I'm going to take all the Silmarils, because there's only two more in there. So he tries to pop the second one out, and it breaks the blade. The part of the blade chips off, and it comes down and scrapes uh, Morgoth as he's sleeping, and it rouses him, and they're like, what the heck, we gotta get out of here. Um, so they leave. What the heck? Yeah, they leave, and as they're on their way back, they uh, see, or they meet Karkatroth. Karkaroth, sorry. <laughs> I don't know what is going on. Karkaroth. And he's, like, waking up now, and he's like, okay, I'm gonna have to do something about this, because uh, Baron has the Silmaril in his hand, his left hand, right? Yeah. Yeah, his left hand. Um, so, Karkaroth goes to attack, and Baron pushes Luthien out of the way, and he grabs Karkaroth by the throat with his right hand, and then goes to punch him uh, with his left hand, but Karkaroth bites his left hand and rips uh, Baron's left hand off, so he swallows the Silmaril. But it burns Karkaroth because the Silmaril, because Karkaroth is evil and the Silmarils like represents good and all that's good. Yeah, it's basically a holy jewel. Yeah, so uh, it starts burning him. He gets pretty much like really bad heartburn is what happens. Yeah. Um, yeah, so. <laughs> and stomach burn and yeah. that sort of stuff. So he Bodily leaves. They burn. don't kill him there. Yeah. So he's like, I'm out of here. And, yep. Uh, yeah, and he's whoop and he's gone. So Baron's like, ah, oh, dang it. I got to heal him again. So. <laughs> she heals him, stops the bleeding in his hand. They go back to 
uh, King Single, and King Single's like, hey, do you got the Silmaril? And Baron's like, yes, it's in my hand. And King Single's like, show it to me. And Baron shows him his arm that's bit off, and King Thingle's like, whoa, dude. dude. What the- Dude, that's cool. Dude, that's sick. <laughs> so, ba- so Thingle's, like, has respect for Baron now, and he's like, you know what? You can marry my daughter, but let's go out and get that, uh, Silmaril. Because Thingle really still wants this, uh, uh, Silmaril. It's not enough that Baron went out and did all that for his daughter. He wants a Silmaril more than he wants. Uh, well, the Silmaril's super important to him, and it it's not as important as Baron and his daughter marrying. So the act of Baron going out and doing that does not impress, or is impresses him, but he's like, I still want that Silmaril. So he's him and a few hunters and Baron and Huan go out and they're like, we got to find uh, Karkaroth because uh, he still has the Silmaril in him. He hasn't passed it. He's got yeah. a little tummy ache. Yeah, he's got a tummy ache and he can't pass it. So uh, they go out and find him and they battle him and Huan and Karkaroth kill each other but baron again gets mortally wounded in the battle oh baron yeah so yeah i don't know what's up with this baron guy he's like the hero of the story but he keeps getting hurt <laughs> so so they bring him back to or they get the silmaril huan's dead poor guy uh, i really like huan he's a puppy he's a cute dog <laughs> <laughs> yeah so he gets so they bring him back to uh King Thingol's place. What's that called, Grant? I forgot. Menegroth. Menegroth. It's called yeah. Thingol's place. Uh, <laughs> it means uh, the Thousand Caves. Yeah. Yeah, so they bring him back to Menegroth, and um, uh, Baron eventually passes away there. And it's very sad. R.I.P. Yeah, R.I.P. Baron. Uh, I mean, he kind of had it coming from with how many times he got mortally wounded. You <laughs> yeah. can only get mortally wounded so many times. Yeah. But, so Especially Luth- if you're mortal. Yeah, yeah. So Luthien is sad. And she dies of grief, which is also really sad, because elves dying is is always sad. Yeah. Because they live so long, it's sad when they die early. Even though she was like three thousand years old or whatever, but still, yeah. that's not a lot. But it's like when a dog still. dies. That's sad. That's always sad. Zach, that's the second time you've compared something to dog today. So. I just like dogs. What can <laughs> I say? Yeah. I mean, who who doesn't like dogs? Okay. <laughs> so Lucy died. Our animal listeners. <laughs> Yeah. We, we, have, we have animals that listen to us. Haven't you been looking at the stats, Grant? Our animal demographic is huge. Well, dude, there's three bears listening to us. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so Luthien dies of grief. And um, when elves, dwarves, and men die, they go to a place called the Halls of Mandos. And Mandos is a Valar, and he deals with all the dead... Uh, dead people elves dwarves and men and if you think about it it's kind of like purgatory because they're waiting for their afterlife there so the elves with their afterlife they get re-embodied and they uh go back to Amon. yep but men it's mysterious like we don't know they don't know what happens with the men um in their afterlife so the elves know what happens in the afterlife but the men don't so in the halls of mandos they wait the souls of the people wait there for their afterlife um and no one can leave the halls of mandos without mando's permission which is big deal big thing so when um luthien's down there she's doing her thing and she's singing and dancing pretty much (laughs) like a sad song not like don't think of like a happy i'm dead song you know (laughs) she's like sad 
in Mandos is moved. like I'm dead. I'm dead. <laughs> Mandos is moved by this, and he's like, "This is so sad. What the heck, guys? This is sad. This, this is, is sad. So sad. Can we get a hundred so likes and retweets?" <laughs> Alexa, <laughs> play Despacito. <laughs> Yeah, so that's what happened. And then she starts dancing to Despacito. <laughs> and she's so good at it. He's like, you know what? I'm going to give you guys the option. I'm going to give you the option. I'll let you go back and live with Baron. You and Baron go back into Middle Earth and live. Or not Middle Earth. Yeah, Middle Earth. Yeah. But in Balerion, yeah. not in the Middle Earth from Lord of the Rings, Middle Earth. So go back into Balerion. And you guys will live, but you will both be mortal. So uh, uh, Baron was already mortal, but Luthien would now become mortal. Or. Uh, don't do that and then just live your fate the way it is and don't know what happens to Baron and she goes back to Amon re-embodied and Luthien was like you know what I'm gonna become mortal which is a big deal because that hasn't happened before so yeah. she's Whoa. the first one to become mortal so they become or leave the halls of Mandos uh, with Mandos's permission yeah um, and they go and live in uh, Tolgalen is that how you say it? Yeah, totally. Yeah, or yeah. Yeah. Dang, what? That's like the first one I've gotten right. Whoa, I even, everybody I'd, at home uh, clap for little behind the, Yeah, a little behind the scenes. I usually ask Grant how to pronounce most of the stuff, but I did not ask him how to pronounce that. No. Because I forgot that I was going to have to talk about it, and um, I got it right. Thank you. I'm probably going to pronounce it wrong I'm really proud time. of you, Jay. <laughs> That's really That's okay. So, so they live out the rest of their lives there, but a little story, or a little backstory on Tolgalen. Um, it means the Green Isle. Um, and uh, there's two words in it in Sindarin, which is the Elvish language. Tol, which means island, and uh, Kalin, which means green. So Tolgalin, the Green Isle. So that's where they live the rest of their lives. Um, and there they have a son named Dwar. Um, that one you got wrong. Oh, I did? Isn't oh. that how you say the brand, though? Isn't there a brand? That, okay, that's the <laughs> brand of, oh. like, perfume or cologne or I thought I had it because I was like, yeah, that's Dwar. That's the... But, I, like... If you're pronouncing it, like, from the Elvish language, it's Dior. Dior. Yeah. Like, Eeyore? Yeah, but... Dior. Dior. Yeah. Dior. Dior. Sorry, not Dwar. I just thought, like, that's, like, a like, cool name, but... That would be cool, yeah. But Dior. But it's not French. Yeah, so. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, sorry. So, uh, Dior. So, they have a son named Dior. Um, and, uh... Oh, were you going to say No, I was going to oh, say... Sorry, like, sorry. Just... <laughs> yeah, so, so, they have a son named Dior. And, um, so we're going to cut back to Thingle. Uh, there's a... Thingle plays a big part in the lives of them after they're back from the Halls of Mandos. So, if you forgot, Thingle is Luthien's father. Um, and Thingle has the dwarves come to make jewelry for him and find some jewelry. And um, the finest thing they have is... or he There's this necklace called Nalglumir, and he wants them to recreate it. So, they recreate Nalglumir, um, which is this very nice... You know, just a bougie necklace. Yeah, you know? bougie. It's yeah. like a... Like Gucci. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. So, uh, Thingle's like, now that's nice, but I gotta eat something even better for you. What if you put the Silmaril in, uh, the necklace, now Glumir? And Zora's like, okay, sure, yeah, whatever, whatever. So they do that, but they're like, after that, they're like talking amongst themselves and they're like, we should actually get this because like the dwarfs made it and this is dwarf craft, so we should get the necklace. And Thingle's like, no way, Jose, I paid you guys <laughs> to do this. So the dwarves attack uh to attack single in doriath to get the necklace but they fail they're expelled from there um they get detention because they're expelled yeah. <laughs> no they don't they're just they're just expelled and on their way 
when they're gone, they um, the little revolution starts because they want Silmaril, and the Silmaril kind of like uh, the One Ring in Lord of the Rings. It has a power that you like want it, and you uh, like just because like how King Thingle really wanted it. You, it's just the same idea. You just really want it, and it controls you. Um, I don't know if it has a will like the. No, no, it doesn't. Yeah, but you just really want it. It makes you greedy for it. So the dwarves are like, we got to get this. And there's some elves, too, that join the dwarves because they also want the Silmaril. And they're, uh, um, they're like, we really want this. So we'll join the dwarves. And the um, dwarves and those some of the elves um, ambush King Thingle. And they kill him and get the necklace. And so King Thingle's dead, but uh, his wife leaves and goes to find Baron and Luthien. Because she's like, my husband's uh, dead, now i got to go live with my kids. Um, so she goes <laughs> she goes to find them. But as the dwarves were leaving um, with the loot and the necklace, uh, they were ambushed by uh, Baron and some green elves. And, yeah. Um, okay, I do have a question about this. When I was reading in the book, um, it doesn't say doesn't say anything about uh, Duar. Dior? Dior. What the heck? <laughs> Dior. <laughs> Anything about Dior being with them when they attack, but when I was doing research, it says that Dior was with them. Do you know which one is true or which one? I think Dior was with them, yeah. Okay. I must must have just missed that when I was reading it. Okay, so Dior was with them. So they get the necklace. They ambush the, um, uh, the dwarves and those elves, and they get the necklace back, and then they give it to... Uh, Luthien and she wears it yeah. and it's just like really she looks really good and you know how it is yeah I mean she is it being the most uh beautiful like elf and or anything you put on a necklace it's obviously gonna look good yeah, yeah that's just how it is stunner right yeah there. she's a stunner yeah so um they eventually so Dior goes back because he wants to uh like reinvent Doriath or not reinvent like bring it back up and yeah reestablish uh, reestablish that's yeah. what I'm looking for so while he's gone Sadly, Baron and Luthien pass yeah. away because Luthien's mortal now. Um, we don't actually know exactly when they died, but oh, sorry guys, Zach's crying. I. <laughs> it's just so sad that they sorry. died. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Again, dude. Again. This is the second time. Yeah. They already died. Keep in mind, keep in mind when Dior was king in Doriath, it had been like many years before Baron and Luthien finally died. So yeah. it wasn't like as soon as he was king, they just died. And he was like, like, oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so they're oh, dead, sadly. Um, yeah. But the mom is still alive. What's her name again? Melian. Melian is still alive because she is a Valar, right? Meyer. Or Maya. Meyer. So she's a Val... <laughs> she's a Meyer. So she's... <laughs> just <figured this> out. <laughs> Grant just corrected me and I said it wrong again. So she uh, does not die. But uh, Dior's still alive and he marries Nimloth of Doriath. Yeah. Yep. And they have three kids. I am going to pronounce one of these right and probably the other two wrong. Elwing, Erl, okay. Erluin. I, I can, I can read. Grant's them. gonna read them off. It's uh, well, he, you got the daughter right, Elwing. Oh yeah. Um, that's then, the one I knew I was gonna get right. And then they had twin sons named uh, Elred and Elrin. Elred and Elrin. Yeah. Okay, and that's where we're gonna leave off with uh the story of Baron and Luthien. Yeah. Um. If Grant, do you want to go um, into the? Uh... Did you mention the fact that uh, after Baron and Luthien died, that the Naglamir with the Silmaril in it was brought to Dior? I did not mention. And that. then Dior, as king of Doriath, uh, he wore the Naglamir on his neck, and yeah. so that's where the Silmaril is. Yeah, yeah, but um, 
Yeah, so that's uh that's the story of Baron and Luthien. Sad story. Sad story. It's a good story though. So I do sad. think Oh oh okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do I do think that I'd maybe like the story almost as much as the story of Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Just the whole uh the sacrifice Baron makes, other than him like being a loser and keeps almost dying and Luthien doesn't <laughs> help him. Lying about but... going through the spider valley, you know. Yeah. Yeah, but I do think this this is a really good story, and I do really wish that they'd make a movie out of yeah, it, or was, at least a series. I was gonna say the stories that I would most like to see like made into movies um, would be you know the story of Baron and Luthien and the uh, the children of Hurin would be a good one too. Yeah. If any movie producers are listening and you guys gonna make Baron and Luthien, let me know and I'll audition for Baron. I probably won't get it, but that'd be <laughs> sick. <laughs> And, That'd be and sick then, to just get mortally wounded a ton. I'll audition for Luthien. <laughs> yeah, Grant and I have great chemistry. And here, let me just hear me out. Grant and I have great chemistry. Grant would look great as a girl, as an elf. <laughs> Thank you. And I, uh, Grant could keep saving me and healing me, and it'd be crazy, dude. It'd, yeah. it'd be great. It would be great. Yeah. And Zach could play Huan. Because <laughs> he loves dogs. Yeah, because yeah. he loves dogs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah! I like it. Yeah, well, on that note, why don't we go to Grant with the... Uh, the names of everybody and the whole family tree of all that. Oh, yeah. Okay. And all so, that jazz. All that jazz. So, Baron and Luthien, obviously, the story is a very, uh, you know, prominent story in the first age of Middle-earth. But their legacy goes on beyond the first age of Middle-earth, and it goes on even into the third age. So, Baron and Luthien, like Jay just said, had a son, Dior, and uh, he was called uh, also Dior Elohil. Uh, which I don't really know what that means, but it's yeah. just, that's one of his names. Sounds cool, man. Uh, and he became <laughs> king of Doriath, like Jay said, after uh, his grandfather died. Yeah, I said that. And uh, Dior, like Jay said again, mm-hmm. married Nimloth. Hey, stop repeating me, Grant. Sorry, I'm, I'm just going, I'm just <laughs> I know, going I'm just to kidding. the family tree. I'm just kidding. Uh, so Dior married Nimloth, and they had the twins Elared and Elorin, and a daughter Elwing. And Elwing, she married... Arendil, the Mariner, and we've talked about him a little bit. We mentioned that he was the one who killed uh, Ancalagon the Black, which was a big boy dragon. Yeah. And he was the one who actually carried a Silmaril into the sky on his flying ship, and he became a star. Yeah. Um, so that is Arendil, the Mariner. So Elwing married Arendil, and they had uh, the twins Elros and Elrond. Mm, I and think I've heard that name no before. No way. What so, the heck? <laughs> we've definitely heard of Elrond. Uh, if you've never heard of his twin Elros, that's because he, uh, because Elrond and Elros, have, as they've mentioned in the movies before, Elrond is a half-elf. Um, they were given a choice to either become mortal or immortal, just like their um, their grandparents, right? Yeah, that's their Well, just their grandma, right? Oh, no, their great-grandparents. Great-grandparents. Yeah. So, um... So Elrond chose to be immortal like the elves, and Elros cho- chose to be mortal. So that's why we never hear of Elros in the uh, Lord of the Rings, like the movies or anything, because he died. Yeah. So uh, so from Elros, actually, Elros became the first king of Numenor when they all first moved to the island, all the men, after the fall of Valerian. So Elros became the first king of Numenor, and from him uh, came you know, the Lords of the West and the Dúnedain, and eventually... They all came back over to Middle-earth and established the realms of Gondor and Arnor. And so Elros's line was preserved from father to son, nearly father to son. Once they got to Middle-earth, it was pretty much father to son all the way through. All the way 
to from Elendil, the first king of Arnor, all the way to Aragorn, <gasps> uh, the hero of Strider, you know, the hero of the Lord of the Rings, pretty Mr. much. Mr. Strider. And so that is uh, Aragorn is a descendant of Baron and Luthien, so that's how far their legacy kind of goes after thousands and thousands of years. And um, Aragorn, as we know, at the end of The Return of the King, marries Arwen, oh, wow. who is the daughter of Elrond. <gasps> Spoiler. What the heck? Whoa. Kind of crazy. So technically, whoa. so technically it is, they are somewhat related, distant Aragorn cousins. and Arwen, but it's like very distant because Arwen is the great, yeah, the great, great granddaughter of Baron and Luthien, but then Aragorn is like, like several thousands of years, you know, descended from Elros. So it's not like they're very close. <laughs> In family, yeah, but, but that would make her like his super like great 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 great, 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 uh, but I think it's interesting to note that from the line of Baron and Luthien, there are several pairs of twins, which is pretty cool. So the first pair of twins is Dior's sons, Elared and Elerind. That's one. And then the second pair of twins is Elwing and Arendil's kids, Elrond Two. and Elros. And then Elrond has, uh, besides Arwen, he has twin sons as well, Eladon and Elrohir. Three. Who actually, if you've read the books before... Um, in the Return of the King, uh, when Aragorn and you know their company is in uh, Rohan after the Battle of Helm's Deep, a bunch of rangers of the north, along with the sons of Elrond, Elidon and Elrohir, they uh, they arrive and they help uh, Aragorn in the Paths of the Dead with those ghosts and stuff like that. So, uh, so yeah, there's three pairs of twins that we know of. Because there's probably a ton of. on Aragorn's from Aragorn's ancestors cuz we don't know. Yeah, that's true. It's a huge thing yeah. just skips in the family tree. It might it might be something to do with uh it might be something to do with um elves like half elves and like you know how men and elf marry and maybe something mm -hmm. to do with that causes them to have twins because if you look Baron and Lu or Dior who is technically half elf, he has twin sons. And then um Who's the next one? Elwing and, a and Arendil. They're both technically half elves, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, not like not to a T. I mean, there's like certain percentages, but then they what, have what twins. letter to then? Uh, to like Q. Oh, to a yeah. Q. And yeah. then uh, Arwen is an mm -hmm. elf, and Aragorn is a man, and they have. Uh, or no, hold on. Elrond is half elf. Yeah, <laughs> and he marries an elf. Uh, and so they make have her twin sons. Seventy-five percent elf. Yeah. Is that how it works? Yeah. Oh, nice. Oh. Dang. So, yeah. Wait, you just read The Nature of Middle-Earth. Does it say anything about how that works? I can't remember. There's oh. a lot of information in <laughs> yeah. that book. <laughs> yeah. Okay, sure you read it, Grant. Yeah, I'm just kidding. Okay. Grant read it. I watched him. Yeah, sometime. you read it yeah. like Baron went through a whole lot of trials in that spider valley. I don't buy it. <laughs> Thanks, Zach. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, with that burn, Zach, why don't you take... Uh, <laughs> Why yeah, don't you can, uh, do this? A little bit do because, your section. Because we were talking about how cool the story of Baron and Luthien is, but it gets a whole lot cooler when you realize that a lot of it is based off of Tolkien's relationship with his wife. 
So, oh, that's so cute. I know it, I mean, it really does make it. Like, uh, what the heck? I'm aw. So, Tolkien met Edith Mary Brett, who would become his wife. Uh, when he was 16, hey, she whoa, was spoiler. Oh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> whoa, man. I, who might become his wife? Who knows? <laughs> Wait, how old were they? Uh, Tolkien was 16, and she was 19. Oh. So there was a bit oh. of an age gap Ooh. there. Well, kind of, kind of like Luthien, how exactly. she was like over three thousand. I'll get years to that. Old. I'll yeah. get to that. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. That's um, crazy. But they they got on pretty quickly. Uh, a guy named Humphrey Carpenter said that they would Humphrey Bogart. Nope, <laughs> that's not. That's a different person. No, um, that's an actor. He said that they would frequent tea shops in Birmingham and would throw sugar lumps into people's hats uh, from a balcony. Um, <laughs> so yeah, they uh, they became very close, and uh, like not even a year after they met, um, the summer of 1909, they fell in love. Um, mm. Tolkien's oh. adopted father, uh, Father Francis Xavier Morgan. Um, he called it altogether unfortunate that his surrogate son was romantically involved with an older Protestant woman. And, you know, looking at the parallels, like Grant had mentioned, it could very well be a kind of deliberate parallel that um, Luthien was like 3,000 and Baron was just, you know, normal man age. Um, the father did not, like, thought it wasn't. Um, Mm -hmm. And different religions... Man and elf, different. Religions. We'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. Well, sorry, man. Sorry. Because exactly in in the story, Luthien's father Thingol was displeased with his daughter falling in love with a human, and uh, in real life, you know, Father Morgan was the unhappy figure. So it was kind of there, kind of a switch there. It was, uh, but you'll switch a rule. Um, father Morgan forbade Tolkien from meeting with or corresponding with in any way. Edith until he became 21 which is like four or five years uh, when this happened um so it it in as crazy as that seems there's the kind of parallel between when Thingold tells Baron yeah sure you can uh you could do my daughter you just have to go get one of the Silmarils stolen by Dark Lord Morgoth you know kind of a great task um yeah. And, yeah, but he just has to wait. <laughs> yeah, he, he just has to wait, which for in real life can seem kind of like a crazy thing. Um, though there's a lot of time passage in the Tolkien legendarium, but uh, even still, um, in real life, uh, the real story, Tolkien, on the eve of his 21st birthday, finally wrote to Edith that he never stopped loving her and that he would marry her. Um, Aw, that's so cute. It is cute, but she replied that she had already accepted another proposal. Dang. Which is not cute. But Cold. um, Edith, dang it. What she said was that over the years, she felt like she was on the shelf, and she began to doubt if Tolkien even still thought of her. Um, But that letter, she said, changed everything. So in the story, Luthien gave up her immortality, her home, her family, to be with the man she loved. Um, Edith kind of had her own sacrifices that she had to make. She lost a friend when she broke off the engagement. Uh, she had to step away from her church. She became Catholic, just like Tolkien. Um, and 
So she kind of had to make these sacrifices in the same way that Luthien did. Um, oh. Now, Tolkien and Edith didn't die and then come back. <laughs> so there is a bit of dissonance. Are you in sure the about stories. that? I, mean... I, I checked, scoured the archives. There's no, there's no death certificates. There's no proof that they didn't. Before so. their final ones. But um, oh. yeah, they, they married in 1916. Tolkien wrote oh, wow. that he admired his wife's willingness to marry a man with no job, little money, and no prospects except the likelihood of being killed in the Great War, which I thought was oh, kind of wow. funny. Um, but so strong was this connection between um, their relationship and the story of Baron and Luthien that um, after they passed and were buried, um, Luthien not Luthien, but Edith um, died <laughs> two years before Tolkien, and then he died, uh, I guess two years after, that would, that would be. Uh, but they oh, were buried okay. in a shared grave, um, so they have a shared headstone, and below each of their names respectively is Baron and Luthien. Um, oh, wow. A year after um, Edith had passed, Tolkien wrote to his son, I never called Edith Luthien, but she was the source of the story that, in time, became the chief part of the Silmarillion. It was conceived in a small woodland glade filled with hemlocks at Roos in Yorkshire, as he saw her dancing there, which you can oh. kind of guess would be kind of a large inspiration for Luthien's whole dancing and flowers thing that she yeah. liked to do yeah, from yeah. time <laughs> to time. Um, but yeah, just finding that out and looking at kind of the shared stories... You know, for me anyway, it, it makes that pretty cool love story, like, way cooler. Like, it's just so much more. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's true. That was a good comparison. That's pretty sweet. There's a lot of stuff in there that I didn't realize the correlation to with, like, the religion and then the race of Baron and Luthien and all that. That was good, Zach. I liked that. Thank you, Zach. Thank you. But, yeah, that is that is the parallels that I found. Yeah. Everyone say thank you, Zach, to who's listening. Everybody say thank you, Zach. No matter where you are, just say it out loud. As loud as you can. <laughs> okay, thank you. That was good. Okay, good. Okay, well... Thank you, listeners. Um, We're getting to the end of the episode, but I'm going to quick go over the history of the story because uh, Tolkien didn't just, like, come up with this and be like, okay, I'm done with this. This was, like, he wrote the story throughout his entire... Well, not his entire life, oh, yeah. but he started it in 1917, and he continued to write it until he was gone sadly two years after edith did as you might remember from what zach said um so the first version of the story of baron and luthien was called the tale of tenuvial yeah tenuvial yeah. yeah tale of tenuvial which is another name for luthien yes i'm yeah. getting to that don't worry okay I'm getting okay to that. okay, okay. okay. um Sorry. and uh this is written in a prose form so just like a regular book with sentences and paragraphs which is that's what prose is because uh, not all of them are written in prose form. But, so this is, uh, you can find the tale of Tenuvial in the first chapter of the Book of Lost Tales, part two, or in the standalone Baron and Luthien book, which it's the first chapter of that. Um, so this was written in 1917, and for some context, uh, Tolkien started writing The Hobbit in 1913, so this was a good while before he even started the first story, or started The Hobbit, um... So in this version, uh, Baron is an elf, not a man, and he's a gnome, which uh, Grant can probably talk more about this, but it's a type of elf. Yeah, it's not... yeah. It's his, it's his early version of the uh, Noldoran elves, so the type of people who Feanor and 
uh, Finrod, and all those people were. Yes. They were just called gnomes, but he changed it to Noldor later. Yes, and in here, in the, let me find it quick. This They talk more about it. Okay, so uh, Tolkien, in a letter, wrote about um, uh, what, it, what the gnomes meant, because he uh, later took that out because he didn't like the correlation between garden gnomes and people thinking that yeah. he was referring to garden gnomes. So, uh, it says Baron is alone, or alone. <laughs> Baron is a gnome. This translation later became a problem for my father. This is, uh, Christopher Tolkien writing. He was using another word, gnome, wholly distinct in origin, meaning from those gnomes nowadays as are small figures, especially, especially associated with gardens. This other gnome was derived from the Greek word, um, it looks like gnome. I don't know how to pronounce Greek. It's probably like nome or something. Nome, yeah. Uh, which means thought intelligence. Um, so it's not, when they refer to him as a gnome, it's not a garden gnome, just so you know. But it is fun to vision or envision a garden gnome <laughs> doing all this stuff. Um, and also in this story, uh, Sauron doesn't exist yet. And um, he's actually, what's taken his, pl or what originally was Sauron was uh, this the Prince of Cats. I might pronounce this wrong. I will pronounce it wrong. Tevildu? Tevildu? I think it's Tevildo. Tevildo. So, the Prince of Did Cats... You say what? Prince of Cats? Yeah. Yes, they are cats. And when Baron is... <laughs> they are demon cats. Yes. So, they're... What? Yeah. That's awesome. So, uh, there's cats, and instead of Baron being thrown into a pit of werewolves, he gets... He has to work as a line cook in the kitchen, <laughs> yeah. pretty much. Uh... <laughs> Uh, Morgoth, which is not called, or Melkor, yeah. which is not called Melkor, it's Melko, which is Melkor without the R. Yeah. Um, is, uh, <laughs> sends him and he has to work as, uh, in the kitchen cleaning up with the cats. Um, do you get a job at Melko? <laughs> yeah. This just reminds me of, like, the Lord of the Rings version, or, like, Middle Earth version of, like, the plague cats. <laughs> yeah. It's just really bad. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh. So, um, Melko has like this power, the spell over the cats, and uh, the Prince of Cats has this golden uh, collar that he is a big deal to him. But also, uh, Baron turns into a cat instead of a werewolf, uh, and uh, Lucian, who is not called Lucian, she's called Tenuville. Yeah. Um, she's not referred to as Lucian in this yet, or in this version of the story. She doesn't turn into a bat. She's just herself. But uh, Luc or Baron turns into a cat. So, as you can see with this one, Tolkien's still working out the whole mythology of Middle-earth. Um, but in the second version of this uh, story, is called The Lay of Lithian. Is that how you say it? Lithian? Lathian. Lathian. Sorry, guys. Sorry. Which is an unfinished poem. Um, so, this is the second version, and this is written in poem form. And um, uh, a little history about it. Uh, the Lay, or history of a lay. A lay, when... Uh, Tolkien used a lot of things called the Lay of, like the Lay of Beleriand, the Lay of Lathian. A Lay is a lyrical poem, and it's an octosyllabic uh, couplets, which are eight syllables in a line. So if you just flip to any page in the Lay, or any part of the Lay, um, you can count it out. I guess I won't really count it out, but I'll read it. You can count it out in your head. Um, in, or Then in his dream... It seemed he sang, and loud and fierce his chanting rang. So each of those lines have eight syllables, and throughout the whole thing, for most of them, I did count some that had nine and some that had seven, but uh, it has eight syllables, which I think is crazy how 
how long it is and how Tolkien was able to come up with each line as eight syllables and they all rhyme and it all makes sense because it's written like in sentences, but they it's like poetical form. So uh, Tolkien started this in 1925 and since it's unfinished, he never actually finished this poem. Um, and it ends, the place where it ends is when Baron gets his hand bit off. Um, that's where he ended it. Uh, he ended it and started writing Lord of the Rings. Um, and then he picked it back up a little bit before he died of, uh, Luthien, uh, finding, or Luthien healing Baron after his arm is bit off, or his hand is bit off, but that's the end of the lay, and Tolkien did go back, uh, and rewrite some of the lay of where, um, Baron, or Barahir, uh, his place is found out, and they attack, and then Baron finds him there and then gets the ring back, but, uh, it pretty much ends when Luthien gets, or Baron gets his hand bit off. Um, but this is mostly the, the official story of it. Um, but, uh, the third version, um, oh, also this Luthien is referred to as Luthien in here, not just Tenuviel. Um, so she gets her name here and, um, Sauron is still not in it, but, uh, I think it's pronounced Thu. Yeah. T-H-U with an apostrophe is, uh, takes, is who Sauron turns, or is who Sauron takes a place of in the final version of it that you see in the Silmarillion. Um, and when uh, Tolkien went back to rewrite the part, the start of it, he wrote Sauron in instead of Thu. But, um, so Sauron isn't in this one until Tolkien rewrote the start of it. But then the third version is the 19th chapter of the Silmarillion called Of Baron and Luthien. And this is written in prose form. And this is the most complete one. Tolkien never really did complete it, and Christopher Tolkien had to... Uh, take some uh, some parts from other versions of the story he wrote and put it together to finish the story so it's pretty much in a finished form so that's what um, is the main story and that people most refer to when they're talking about Baron and Luthien and um, then lastly there's a version of the story um, in uh, book 1 chapter 11 of the Fellowship of the Ring um, where Aragorn is trying to distract the hobbits when they're on Weathertop. He sings part of the song of Baron and Luthien. Um, so you can read that in there. And I I think it's in the movies. I'm not sure. But, so as you I don't can, know. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was sleeping at that part. But uh, as you can see, the story wasn't just like Tolkien came up with it and it was done. This was kind of like his life work story. And he never really finished it, which is kind of sad because it's such a great story. And I... Don't know what it'd be like if he finished it, um, but maybe it's better that he didn't finish it. Finish it because it leaves it up for interpretation yeah. of exactly what happens. But yeah, so it went through a bunch of versions of the story, and uh, the one people most refer to is the one in the Silmarillion. So that's it for what we have for Baron and Luthien. And that, but I do have uh, oh. three trivia questions: uh, one or three for what? Zach and three for Grant. So what I'll do is I'll ask oh. Grant one and then Zach one and then we'll go okay. through. Okay. Okay. Oh. So Jay the trivia master. <laughs> um, they they'll start mm. out easier and then um, I'm I tried to make them easier and harder, but also they might just be easy or whatever. Okay. So we're gonna start off with Grant. Okay. So Grant's first question. Um, uh, name two of Dior's children. Oh, Dior. Dior. Dior's. Dior. Okay. Yeah. Uh. Name two of Dior's <laughs> children. Ellered and Ellered. Yeah, that was good. Good job, Grant. Okay. Grant gets a point. Wow. Woo. Okay, this is Zach's first question. 
Uh, when elves, dwarves, and men die, where do their where do their souls go? Uh. <laughs> these are also all these questions were talked about in this episode. That's okay. <laughs> Dang, maybe I should. Listeners, can you help me out? <laughs> Zach, do you want a uh, you want a lifeline? You, yeah. Do you want can a hint? I call a friend? Do you want a hint? Yeah. Can I? Yeah. Okay, Grant. Why don't you give him a hint? Because I don't want to give. Oh. Because okay. Grant knows this. Um. Uh. This is. I don't know. It feels very obvious to me the hint, but um. <laughs> uh, let's go with uh, the first part of it is halls of, and then it's a name. <laughs> no. Do you want you want me to give you the answer? The first part of the name is what race Baron is. Oh, halls of man. Yeah, but and then, then there's a second part. And the, the second name. part is a female deer, but plural. Halls of Mando. <laughs> yeah, good. Good uh, job. You're not gonna point for that one though. So it's one. Wait, but I got it. <laughs> no, it's one to zero for Grant. Yeah, with like four hints. Okay, this one's a little. This one's a little <laughs> tough for Grant. Okay. Uh, what year did Tolkien start writing the Tale of Tenuviel? Ooh. Okay. Uh, I heard two different years, but I couldn't remember which one you're referring to. It was either. Um. Nineteen seventeen. Correct. Oh, there we go. Okay. Okay. Two okay. for Grant, zero for Zach. You mentioned The Hobbit was started writing in 1913, right? 30. 30. Okay. Yeah. I heard 13. Oh, but sorry. But that's just because they sound so alike. <laughs> yeah, they sound so alike. Okay, gotcha. Okay, Zach, for your second question. This one might be a little easier because ju- I just talked about this. Okay, so how many syllables are there in a line of a lay? Oh, I know this. <laughs> They're octosyllabic, so there's eight. Correct. Woo! There, so two to one. All right. Okay, so Grant's final question. He's 100% right now, but we'll see what he gets. Okay. Okay, so what type of flower was in the glade that Tolkien's wife, Edith, danced in, which inspired the story? Oh, uh, was it hemlock? Correct. Yeah. Dang, Grant got Sweet. all three right. Yeah. Okay, wow. Zach. I don't know. I'm already going to lose, <laughs> unless this is for double points, right? I guess. We'll do double points. We'll <laughs> yeah, see. we'll do double Cause, points. No, because this, this one's actually like really hard. I don't know if you'll get it. Okay. Crap. Double points might be worth it, though. You ready? Who wrote Lord of the Rings? <laughs> it's uh, an author, right? Maybe. I'm not going to give you any hints or anything. Okay, okay. Okay, give me a sec. <laughs> I still have a lifeline, right? I can call a friend? I guess so. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to call a friend. You better not call Grant. Man. If Grant's phone this starts was... ringing, I'm going to get mad. <laughs> okay, I won't call Grant. <laughs> or me. <laughs> Just kidding, you can call uh... one of us. All right. I think he's gonna call his dad. <laughs> we know you're Zach. You're too predictable. Shh. <laughs> <laughs> Dang! What if he doesn't answer? That's gonna be. We cut this out if he doesn't. <laughs> Hello? Are you there? Hello? Oh, hey. So, are you are you busy right now? I just need it for a sec. I've got it on speakerphone while I'm 
Okay. Um, we're recording an episode of Exploring Middle Earth, and Jay threw this wacky trivia game at us at the end. It's Grant got all three right. I missed the first one, but I got double points. It's the last question. If I get this, we tie and I don't lose. Okay. So you're my lifeline, and I need your help on this uh, Lord of the Rings <laughs> lore question. Just to apply the pressure. <laughs> Alright. The question is, who wrote Lord of the Rings? Are you serious? <laughs> I can't remember who wrote Lord of the Rings. Are you pranking me? No, I, I need your help, Dad. Please, I'm gonna lose. <laughs> This, just tell me the answer. <laughs> what, did they have a gun to your head? What? Did they have a gun to your head? What? Yes. If I don't get this answer, I'm going to die. You can't seriously have forgotten who wrote Lord of the Rings. It just, uh, I haven't been paying attention, okay? <laughs> Obviously, Philip Holman. Philip Holman? <laughs> Is that your final answer? That's not correct. Wait, it's not correct? Okay, I, I have to cut you off in like 10 seconds. So what's the answer? Jeremy Robert Rebellious Tolkien. That doesn't sound right, but okay. I'll give it a shot. I'm going to abbreviate that partly. Thank you so much. You're a lifesaver. Bye. <laughs> That, okay. That was the most like sad, disappointed bye I've ever heard. It's bye. <laughs> okay. Are you playing a prank on me? <laughs> Give us your final answer, Zach. Who wrote Lord final of the Rings? Final answer: J.R.R. Tolkien. Correct. Final answer. Yes. Woo! Good job. Three, three. That's Woo! it. It tied. Dang. But oh my Zach gosh. did need a lifeline for two of them. Okay, but don't tell anyone that. Yeah. They didn't know. But do you know what surprised me? I thought the one you weren't going to get was the how many syllables are in a lay. But you got well, it. Well, you got it. I happen to <laughs> be a creative writing student at college, so no. I kind of knew that. No. Okay. Well, that's it for the okay. episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, yeah, thank you all for listening. Yeah, come back uh, next episode for our Halloween special. Spooky. Uh, yeah, spooky special. About the Nazgul. <laughs> I was gonna do like a dun 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 Yeah, so thanks for listening and we'll see you guys next time. Bye! Bye! So long! Hey everyone, thanks for listening to this episode of Exploring Middle Earth. Grant, Zach, and I had a great time making it. We hope you enjoyed listening to it. If you do enjoy the podcast and want to support us, there's two ways you can do that. One way is to rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts. 
This helps us a lot because it builds up our reputation. You can also share this episode or the podcast with your friends. You can find us on Instagram at exploringmiddle underscore earth or on Twitter at expmiddleearth where we will post updates and behind the scenes pictures. The link to both of those accounts will be in the show notes. Each episode goes up every other Monday, so episode 8 will be up on October 25th. That episode will be our Halloween special and we will cover the Nazgul, so be on the lookout for that. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time.